if we're going to tell a story, let's tell a story that can inspire a deeper level of trust. Being willing to find the blessing and never believe that the impossible is impossible. The word literally says, I'm possible. Welcome to the Solace and Shine podcast. This podcast is part of an online community at solaceandshine.ca. It is a platform for those yearning to remember their true purpose. We are coming to you from Ishtadev Niwas Ashram in the Purcell Mountains of beautiful British Columbia, Canada, within the unceded territory of the Tanaha Nation. The Solace and Shine podcast dives into teachings from the soul's ancestral roots. The teachings are here so that we may embrace the human experience and live it with beauty, courage, and creativity. These teachings will make you want to lean in and shine wholeheartedly together in community. Allow me to introduce to you our host and guide, Sanyasi Shivani. Shivani has worked as a medium and a spiritual teacher for the last 20 plus years. Through her dedicated practice as a renunciant and a teacher of yoga, she guides community through all aspects of living and embodying spirit through foundations of love, service, yoga ecology, and elevated esoteric teachings. Are you ready to embody your light? Welcome to the Solace and Shine podcast. Hello again, and Namon Orion. I am Chaitanya, a longtime student here at Ishtadev Niwas Ashram. Today's episode is a story that I have had the privilege to hear in person, and I have also read it in Sanyasi Shivani's first book, The Yoga of Remembrance. Every time I hear it, I still get teary-eyed and inspired at the same spots. It still grabs my heart. It is called Finding the Blessing, the Story of the Bees. Enjoy Sanyasi Shivani's incredible experience and the teaching of looking for the blessing in all that life gives to us. So I wanted to share with you today uh, a story about finding the blessing, a story about experiencing life happening for you and not to you. And the seesaw that that can happen for in the moment, painful things are painful and we don't necessarily can acknowledge uh, the beauty in the moment when the painful thing is actually happening. No, you can't. You're in pain. But how quickly afterwards is, I think, a muscle that we can work, that our recovery into finding the blessing can be a, a muscle that we can grow strong in our toolbox of, of perspective of life. So there's one more aspect that I want to, there's one more, there's one more thing that I want to share with you before um, I tell you the story. And it's the, the, it's the teaching of don't talk about the beautiful, spiritual, magical things that happen in your life because it will disempower them. It will make them watered down. And I don't, believe it. I I don't agree with it. When I look at the nuggets of teaching that I've experienced from other people, 
It's through their their willingness to share their experience of direct experience in their life, both the hard things and the beautiful things, and sometimes those are the same thing, that I find the most inspiring. That I find, well, if this can happen to you, if this can be your experience, then I'm able to also open up to that much grace and that much beauty in the trying times of my life. Ram Das, for example, has many articles um, talking about his experience with his guru, Neem Karoli uh, Baba. Yeah, that's it. Um, and what it was like to be in his presence, what it was like to be around him, the teachings as they came through his interactions with him. And I really appreciate many of the things that Ram Das talks about. But for me, it's when him or Krishna Das open about open up about direct experiences with these people, that to me is the gold. That is inspiring. And and I don't get the feeling that, you know, Ram Das needs us to know these stories. Just in the same way that I don't need you to know this story. But it's an offering of beauty, of a pivotal moment in my life that if it can if it can inspire uh, if it if it can inspire somebody if it can give somebody a little bit of hope if it can help somebody have a little bit more trust in the divine then this is the the reason I share this with you so in 2001 I was diagnosed with severe endometriosis it was pretty bad I was a bit of a mess uh, I was told that I should have a hysterectomy because the endo was so bad, obviously meaning that I would never have children. At 21, it's a pretty rough uh, thing to have advised. I said no, and they said, well, you'll have to have surgery every one and a half to two years to keep the disease under control at the level that it is being created but that the scar tissue is so bad already that I probably would have trouble conceiving anyway, or I wouldn't be able to have children anyway. So I went through my whole 20s, always with this thing in the back of my mind that, you know, I'm probably not going to be able to have kids, so I should look into adoption if I want to have a child. should look into other ways. And that was was my reality, and I, I just kept going in that vein. Until I met uh, my husband, Param Jodi. And when we met, which is a whole other magical story that maybe will be for another day. But when we met, we knew that we wanted to have a child. Whether that was through adoption or fostering a child or having a biological child, it doesn't really matter. It's about having a being to love. Uh, an experience of a soul in this reality to to give them the experiences and the teachings and the love that uh, you want to to a, a child. And so we we wanted to have a child, but I was like, you know, I don't know if I can have children. I don't think I can have children. I've been told that the likelihood of me having children is not high. So fast forward to a few months down the track. It's the end of 2008. And um, I took a a group of about 14 people to the ashram in India. 
And while we were in Kolkata, uh, we went to the Kali temple and I took out some strands of my hair and I wrapped it around this fertility tree and asked the Divine Mother, you know, if my body is at all capable of, of conceiving a child, then I am willing and open to be a vessel for that soul in this lifetime. And I will do my very, very best by that child. And I had also taken a, a copy of Ina May's Guide to Childbirth uh, as a way of putting my mind out of the frequency of uh, I can't have children and into the frequency of listen to these beautiful birth stories about how things were not easy, but they happened anyway. And so I, I rock up to the, uh, the ashram with these 14 people and my my hairs on the on, in the temple at uh, back in Kolkata at the fertility tree and and uh, I had this Ina May's guide to childbirth with me and on the train on the way to the ashram one of the students uh, turned to me and said oh my god I'm deathly allergic to bees and I forgot an EpiPen and I was like no worries I've never seen a bee in the ashram like it's the middle of yeah, like it's be totally fine. It's you know no problem. You know we're we'll be there. Sri Swamiji's got us. You know never seen a bee. Don't worry about it. She's like okay, fine, no problem. So we get to the ashram, and we are cleaning mats that we sit on to eat. And uh, one of the swamis came out to us and said, Shivani, I have a other karma yoga for you. Would you please come to uh, this compound where there's this Ayurvedic garden and they had whitewashed the walls and all the lime from whitewashing the walls had come down onto the plants. And so we needed to clean uh, the plants off so that the photosynthesis could continue and the lime wouldn't damage the plants. So myself, the student that was allergic to bees and about four other people, we went over and it's, it's one of the most magical and beautiful places. It's, it's the place where Sri Swamiji lived. Uh, and as to best of my knowledge, he was in his little house while we were there. So we were working and we were uh, cleaning off these plants. And, uh, you know, it was all very, you know, reverent and sacred. And we were working in silence and it was very peaceful and it was very spiritual feeling and it was lovely and it was, you know, all of these things. And then one of the swamis asked another of my student, we'll call her, what shall we call her? Sarah. Asked Sarah to go off and get a brick from the other side of uh, about, about 40, 50 feet away. And, and so she did. She went over and walked towards us to get some bricks for the, for the garden for something. And as she did that, I looked up and there was this huge black bird. It's called a kite. It's like a vulture. And it flew out of this tree. And I looked up and I was like, huh, big bird. That's weird. Okay. And, you know, silent, reverent, back to wiping the leaves off the, with the lime. And what had happened was this bird had disturbed a beehive that was in the tree. And as Sarah walked back with these bricks, the bees all came out of the hive really angry that they had been disturbed by this bird. And they started to attack her. She drops the bricks, starts to run, but they are following her. 
and she starts to cry, starts to scream, as you do, understandably. And I'm surrounded by four or five other people and nobody's moving. Everybody's sort of standing there looking at her. And just instinctually, I drop my tools and I run to her. And I, I, I got her right beside a big water barrel. And I said, hold your breath. And she was like, what, 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 what? And I was like, hold your breath. And I dunked her in this water barrel so all the bees would come off her skin. And as I pulled her up and she's saturated, I was like, now run, run. And so she turned around and ran. Meanwhile, the bees start to attack me. And I look in the barrel and there's this like film of bees floating on top of the water. And there is just no way I am going in there. And like all these things are happen happening simultaneously. I'm like, if I start chanting my mantra, will they all magically disappear? So I start chanting my mantra. No, they are not disappearing. They are mauling me. I am covered in bees. Now I have a quarter on, so I have like a small V-neck, uh, um, a short sleeves, um, but my, my dress goes down to sort of mid-thigh and then I have a dhoti on, which goes down to my ankles. So I'm pretty covered. But they are all over my face. And after I decided not to go into the barrel of water, I turn. And the, the girl that was allergic to the bees, she said that when I turned, my neck was black with the amount of bees that were on me. And I ran. And as I ran, I panicked because they were still stinging me. And so I start screaming at Sri Swamiji, Mother I can't believe you're letting this happen. You're supposed to be omnipresent. Oh my God. And I start running over to where the this little swimming pool used to be, but the swimming pool was empty, so I couldn't jump in there. So then I turn around and I start running into the puja area, which again is a very sacred, quiet, you know, you don't, you, you're never above a whisper. Here I am dressed head to toe in yellow, screaming profanities at this yogic master who is somewhere and uh I'm just like bawling my eyes out and this this Indian Swami he runs at me with this uh blanket and he throws the blanket over my head and I throw it off because when he's throwing the blanket over my head, he's trapped me and the bees under the blanket. <laughs> and so I'm throwing it off, so he throws it back on. And I'm throwing it off, and he throws it back on. And then there's this other Swami who comes at me, who's a force of nature, bless her heart. And she grabs me by the arm, throws me into a bathroom, and starts ripping off all my clothes. Because the bees had gone under my corta, like under my skirt. And, uh, and so as she was taking off my clothes, all these bees were flying everywhere. And, uh, so we got all the bees off me and then she gets me dressed again. And then we walk into this other room where by now, you know, people have been alerted. So, uh, each Sarah and I, she's sitting there crying and I'm sitting there crying and, uh, each of us had two swamis with um, tweezers and they started pulling out the stings. And of course, as they pulled them out, they could count them. They were up my nose, in my ears, on my eyelids, in my mouth, on my lips, through my hair, on my hands, on my feet. And they counted more than 80 bee stings, eight zero, 80 bee stings 
for each of us, not together. We had 80 bee stings, majority of them from the neck up. And one of the swamis is like, you should do Brahmari. It is the healing breath. And I'm like, Brahmari means humming bee breath. I do not want to hear a bee ever again in my life. I'm not doing the humming bee breath. And then as the as the venom started to go into our system, my body started to go into shock. And I keep wanting to pass out. And this force of nature, Swami, she kept putting um, alcohols alcohol smelling salts whatever under my nose to to wake me up again and I keep wanting to pass out she keeps waking me up I want to pass out she keeps waking me up and of course the ashram did ask you know do you want to go to the hospital do you want to do you want to go you know to the emergency I'm like there was two medical doctors in the ashram both of them were there I said is there a chance of me still going into anaphylactic shock they're like if you were going to go into anaphylactic shock you would have done so by now and I was like well no then I don't want to go to the hospital I don't want to go anywhere and then somebody said to me you know don't worry you will understand this one day you will understand why this horrible thing has happened and in that moment there was this energy and I was like this is not a horrible thing that's happened to me. This is going to be the best thing that's ever happened to me because I do not believe that anything bad could ever happen in the private garden of an enlightened master. I do not believe that tragedy is going to happen in the presence of of a master, of an embodiment of compassion. This is not a bad thing that's happened to me. I don't understand it yet, and this sucks, but nothing bad would ever happen in the home of Sri Swamiji. And they were like, okay. So we go back to our room, and we start puking, and we puke, and then we have diarrhea, and we puke, and we have diarrhea, but there was only one toilet. So Sarah and I kind of like went back and forth. One of us had a bucket for puking, while the other one was pooping, and we kind of I just remember us going back and forth, passing each other in the hallway um, from vomiting to diarrhea and vomiting to diarrhea. And we were both really, really sick. And the next morning we woke up and, you know, I looked like I had Botox. I had no wrinkles in my forehead. My eyes were all swollen. My lips were swollen. My ears were swollen. Everything was swollen. I had a horrible fever. I could hardly stand up. But Sri Swamiji called Satsang where a group of about 50 of us were invited to go and sit with him and listen to him speak. And usually when you when you have satsang, or the presence of truth is what a satsang is, to be in the presence of, of truth, you know, you stand in line for about 15 minutes while they get the room ready, and then you go in. I couldn't stand up. I had to sit on the concrete. I was that delirious with fever. So then we go in. We're sitting there and one of the other swamis says, you know, the two women that were attacked by the bees yesterday are here. And he sort of looked over to us. And then they asked me to stand up and uh, introduce everybody, the 14 people that I had taken. And I stood up and I would look at this person's face and I was so sick and I had so much of a fever, I couldn't remember their names. So I had to keep asking them what their name was. And then Sri Swamiji, this is Thomas. Sri Swamiji, this is Lucy, you know? And, and slowly, slowly I introduced everybody. After an hour and a half of satsang sitting there, my fever was completely gone. 
and my swelling was reduced by about half. Both of us, our fevers were gone. And to me, it was relieved by the compassion of this being, seeing how sick we were. And so we walked out. I had never had a fever again. I still was pretty lethargic. I still clearly, you know, had the venom running through my body, but I, um, I was much better than I was. Now, go back a little bit. Remember the student that had was allergic to bees? So she said, when I ran to Sarah to help her, she totally panicked because if she gets one bee sting and she doesn't have an EpiPen, she's in big trouble, right? So she said she knelt down where she was and put her hand for stabilization against the wall because, you know, bees are attracted to movement. So she tried to stay as still as possible. And she, the only thing she could think of doing was doing her personal mantra. So she knelt down, she put her hand on the wall, she started chanting her mantra, and she said she could feel this force field of energy coming off her. And these bees started flying around her head, hitting the wall and dying at her feet, but not one bee touched her. Another Swami got six bee stings. I got 80. Sarah got 80. But this person who was the closest person to me, she was right next to me when this happened, not one bee stung her, which was totally amazing in the scheme of things. Anyway, so so fast forward, we come out of satsang, I have no fever. I'm still pretty sick for four or five days. Like, you know, I'm pretty lethargic. I've got headaches. I'm, you know, the stuff is still moving through my body. I get back to Canada. I surprise Param Jodi at Christmas time by going directly to his parents' place and uh, surprise him for Christmas. I find out that exactly the same time as I was, had been stung by the bees, he had had violent food poisoning for 48 hours. So while I was puking in diarrhea, he was puking in diarrhea. And we were both going through that at exactly the same time, which was pretty wild considering we not get food poisoning very often. So then I tell him about this experience I'm still pretty traumatized by it. If I even hear a fly, I'm like, get up and walk out of the room. Like I can't hear anything buzzing without my whole nervous system going back into shock. But fast forward a week and Param Jodi proposes marriage to me. And then 10 days after that, which was the first ovulation after we got home, we conceived our son. The very first time we actively tried to have to conceive a child boom like the first time there was no like second time or third time or fourth time the first time the first ovulation after we got home there was our son so I call you know I'm six weeks pregnant and I call my shamanic teacher and I'm like it is amazing like after being told I cannot have children for 10 years, suddenly the very first time I try and conceive, this happens. And she said, Shivani, the bees are the totem of fertility. The bees are the frequency of fertility. And BVT, bee venom therapy, is used for multiple sclerosis and anti-inflammatory diseases. And if anybody knows me personally, I got some fire. 
And before the bees, I didn't have some fire. I had an inferno in me. I was very, very, very hot in temper, in vengeance, um, in, in many, many ways. I had a way too much fire going on in my system. Since the bees happened, I totally chilled out by about 50%. Yeah, I've still got some fire. But I'm, I'm very, very, very much more chilled out. So my shamanic teacher, who's not part of our lineage, who has never been to India, who has never met these people or anything, completely unrelated person. She's like, the bees are the totem fertility. Here you go to India. You put your hair on the fertility tree. You're praying for the ability to have a child. Your body is not in the right frequency to be able to have children. This traumatic thing happens to you, which rebalances your system. And here is this child. And it was totally amazing because it totally made sense to me. And, to, and without a doubt, I could feel that there had been divine intervention. So this traumatic thing that happened for me was this blessing of recalibration of my insides to be able to hold her child. Now, my mama, she had many miscarriages before she had me, and she had severe endometriosis as well. She was also told she would never have children. So I was a complete surprise to her. And so when I got pregnant, I had a lot of anxiety as to whether or not I, I too would have a miscarriage. But every time I wondered, you know, am I going to have a miscarriage? Am I going to lose this child? Am I, is this going to happen? Is, should I not get too excited? Shall we tell people? Shall we not tell people? I could feel Sri Swamiji's energy, this, this being of light standing behind me going, this child is, is a gift. This child is, is conscious. This child is an answer to a prayer. Do not worry about miscarrying. This child is coming. And by now, we're pretty certain that these, these dots have joined. I mean, the kid even told us his name before he was born. His name is Narayana. Narayana is another name for Vishnu. Vishnu is the god of the bees. We had named him Narayana Madhu. Madhu meaning honey because he came from the bees. And when we got to the hospital to have him, and I was hoping for a home birth, but, you know, the gods had other ideas. When I got to the hospital, I was feeling a little bit of a failure of not being at home and I was asking for a sign from the divine that we were supposed to be in the hospital to have this child. And this OBGYN walks in the room, this little Indian lady, and she's like, hi, my name's Madhu Gupta. And then I knew that we were supposed to, where we were supposed to be. And I was like, my, our son's middle name is Madhu. And she's like looking at me like, why are you, why does your son have an Indian name when you are clearly not Indian? So we told her the brief story of between contractions about how this child has come from the bees and so he was born fast forward a year our son is one year and three days old we take him to the ashram and I was talking to one of the swamis the force of nature swami and I said you know I really feel that my prayers I had this prayer this intention the sankalpa to be blessed to be able to bring a life into this world a being of light into this world. And then this crazy traumatic thing happened. And then it's rewired the whole element of fire in my body. And now then I got pregnant instantly. And she said, yeah, because you did not think 
about what you were doing when you went to help that person. You just did it. And through that, there comes something. There comes a, a prayer answered. And I don't know if I believe that. To be honest, I don't know what to believe. I don't believe just because somebody does something heroic that a prayer is answered. I just know that that is my reality, that that is my experience. And I do know that this painful experience turned out to be the biggest blessing that I have ever experienced at the same time. And I want to make something really clear. I don't think that I'm special in the way that this anomaly happened to me. What I actually think is that these things happen all the time, but we're not trained to see them, that we don't make the connections, that we don't see the symbology, that we don't have the understanding. That's the piece. I actually think that these miracles happen all the time. I just think that we're so into identifying with the painful part of the stories that we, we miss so much more about the experience in a, in a frame of reference that ultimately it's for our healing. Since then, I've had one wasp sting on my foot, which was okay. And I've had one bee sting on the top of my head, which knocked me out for 24 hours. One bee sting gave me, uh, what do they call it, Ser serum sickness. It's like your body goes into shock with a fever. But we have bees at Niwas to honor them, to look after them, in gratitude to them, because it's the bees that balance the fire. Anyway, I really wanted to share the story with you today. There is many, many, many stories of grace and beauty and divine intervention that not just myself, but so many other people experience. And I think that if we're going to tell a story, let's tell a story that can inspire a deeper level of trust, that can inspire a, a deeper level of being willing to find the blessing and never believe that the impossible is impossible. The word literally says, I'm possible. Anything is possible with love. May you find the blessing today and every day in the one that I am. Thank you for joining us in our Solace and Shine podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, rate, and share it. We would love to hear what inspired you. And if you have any questions or topics that you would like for us to explore, please leave a note in the comments. Also, if you would like a daily dose of connection and raising of your frequency, join us on We Are, our online community. You can find the link in the podcast description. Follow the link and you will receive two weeks for free. See you soon. And don't forget, soften and expand.